You're listening to On Point with Bishop Robert G. Rudolph. I'm your facilitator, Vincent T. Edwards, Mr. Speaker. On Point, keeping you focused in the right direction. Hello, Bishop Rudolph. How you doing today? Good morning, Speaker Edwards. Good morning, Mr. Speaker. How are you? I'm doing just wonderful, and I'm so glad to be a part of this as you continue to share with us the many different things related to the Holy Ghost. And today, I believe you want to share with us the whole concept of grieving the Holy Spirit. What is that all about? Well, absolutely, sir. That's what I want to discuss with the the audience on this morning. Specifically, I want to deal with the Holy Spirit and disobeying and grieving the Holy Spirit because it's all a part of this Holy Spirit series that we've been talking about. If you go to the Acts of the Apostles, the fifth chapter, you'll find a situation. There's a story here of two biblical characters. One was named Ananias. The other one was his wife, Sapphira. And let's let's back up just a little bit and tell you somewhat what was going on, and then we'll get into the story, and I think it will make sense. Back in biblical days when the church was being established, they operated the church a little differently than what we do now. For instance, when one person was hurting, they all were hurting. And until that person was taken care of, they did not move forward until the need was met. And when they worked together to make certain that people's needs were met financially uh, and emotionally, then things were better because they were all they all had everything in common. They were all doing what needed to be done. So with that being said, um, oftentimes various churches that were preached out by Paul and preached out by Peter and the others, various churches, there would be times when they would literally sell their property and then they would give the proceeds to the church. They wouldn't benefit from the proceeds, but they would literally sell the property, keep the money, and give it to the church to help the church uh, help in the needs. And clothes were bought, food was bought. um, Those types of things were handled so that people could be taken care of. Well, in this particular instance, uh, there was a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, and they were active members of this church. I, I would assume that Peter was uh, the leader of during that particular period of time. And remember now, this is right after the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And so now you have a group of disciples who are now active in various ministries on their own. And in the process, they continued in the teaching and the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they were in a very serious predicament because many of them were crucified or they were, um, and and I'm not talking about literally being crucified, but they were um, basically hurt. Uh, They were talked about, they were scrutinized. um, And many of them suffered death because they were preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was not fully accepted that Jesus Christ was the son of God. And on top of that, for you to even say uh, that Jesus was who he was, you would have issues. You would have problems. So Peter, uh, being one of the apostles, 
and he was teaching and preaching in this particular area, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they came together and said, hey, we're going to sell some property and we're going to give it to the church, but we're not going to give everything to the church. Because if you look at Acts, the fifth chapter, first verse, second verse, and the second verse, it tells us and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, the first point I want to make is we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit in the following ways. The first way is that whenever you decide to do wrong, whenever you want to do wrong, whenever you plan to do something wrong, then you begin to grieve the Spirit of God. Because again, in verse 2, the Bible says that they agreed uh, to keep back part of the price. Uh, they could have easily said, well, we're going to sell this property and we're only going to give the church so much. But to say that you are going to give the church all of it and you keep back some of it, that tells me a lot about your intentions and your integrity. So for them to even plan to do something wrong, that was the hard part. Uh, and that that is one of the things that grieved the Holy Spirit. Second point I want to make in this is after they decided to do this, they came together and agreed to do wrong. Uh, and, and you should never, ever purposely do something wrong to hurt anyone, but especially to grieve the spirit of God. But they did so. They decided that this is what they were going to do. All right. Now, the Bible uh, goes on to tell us uh, that in verse two, it, it also mentions that not only did they agree together, but um, the Bible tells us that his wife, she condoned it. Um, when it says his wife also being privy to it. So not only did they uh, plan to do wrong, but secondly, they also, um, uh, she condoned what was wrong. Now, some people would say, well, Brother Rudolph, uh, the the leader of the family was the, the husband. And uh, the, there are scriptures uh, backing this up. So why would you put emphasis upon her? Why would you say that was it was her fault as well? Well, because she condoned it. Um, there are some crimes that people go to jail for because they are an accessory to the crime. And this was the case. She uh, was a person who knew what he was going to do. And then she also condoned it. And you'll see later on what it means by uh, the fact that she actually condoned it. But the point I'm trying to make in, in verses one and two is the fact that they did make the decision to come together to do this. And then secondly, she condoned it. She could have easily said, no, that's not right, uh, sweetheart. Let's do something else. But she didn't do that. All right. Now, so Ananias goes to uh, goes to uh, Peter. Uh, and I would assume this was in the congregation. And in verse three of chapter five of Acts, Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. That was a powerful statement, I think, that was made in verse four that Peter made, is that you are not fooling us. Uh, but you are trying to fool God. Uh, we don't matter in this equation, but God does. And so for you to lie to us 
okay, we're, we can, we can handle that, but you're lying to God. You're lying to the Holy Spirit. And that's where the problem, uh, came in. And so the Bible says in chapter five and five, and Ananias hearing these words fell down and gave up the ghost and great fear came on all them that heard these words. I would imagine that that was a very powerful situation there um, in the church. And, 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 and seeing that very powerful and they fell down, why can, can you give us any insight as to why the penalty was so mm. great for just a lie? Well, you know, uh, I just think that we need to be very serious when we try to play games with God, if that makes sense. We have to be careful. You cannot play games with the Almighty God. Uh, there was a play, I think, on Broadway, and the title of the play, Your Your Arms Are Too Short to Box with God. That's exactly the situation here. He tried to fool God. And, and God sees all. He knows all. He hears all. He listens to all. He knows everything. And so he knew the plan that was taking place. So why would you even do that? And, and I honestly think that in uh, biblical days, the reason why the punishment was so severe was because they were so serious about their commitment, in, in my opinion. They were extremely serious about the commitment. And, uh, you know, Peter told them, told him, um, why would you do this? Why would you even go there with this? You didn't even have to do this. And, and I think that's why maybe the punishment was so severe. And then God is serious about his work. He's serious about uh, what uh, we should be doing to support his work. And for uh, this man to play games with God, that was not a good thing. And, and I'm quite sure the spirit of God and, and God uh, got angry got upset and this is what happens uh, or this is what happened in this uh, in this particular uh, story so he fell down gave up the ghost and great fear came upon all of them that heard these things and the young men came uh, carried him out and buried him um, they didn't have a, uh, a memorial service they didn't have a uh, service a funeral next to Ken was not uh, given an opportunity to deal with this uh, to grieve it was just done so matter-of-factly. You lie against God. You grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, the person died. They gave up the ghost. And now they're buried. I mean, within a matter of uh, several, I guess, several minutes. And I'm quite certain that when fear came upon all the church, fear really came upon everyone because they begin to understand that God's enterprise is a very serious thing. And we should not play games um, with it. Uh, it's very, very, very interesting. Very interesting, Mr. Speaker. So then we, we find out that, you know, I, I'd like for you to, to, to go on and talk about what happened next after he fell down. But first, what implication uh, are there any implications for us today? Is can that punishment be as severe for just lying today in the household of faith? Um, because, you know, we take things pretty lightly here, I would say, mm -hmm. in the United mm -hmm. States. Mm -hmm. Well, I I want to say this. I, I am not God. By no means do I sit in his chair and I cannot judge anyone. But I am certain that God gets upset at the things that we do uh, and the those things that happen to be wrong. 
he gets upset with us. And in some instances, we should know better. We should know uh, that he is all knowing and all seeing. And why would you want to even play games with God? Again, your arms are too short to box with him. Why would you even want to go there? So that's that's just something to think about when you're when you are dealing with God. You don't want to play with him. If you are going to do what's right, do what's right. Be committed to it. Uh, I made the statement to someone a few days ago that I don't want to do all of this each and every day. And then I when I when it's time, my, my time to go, when it's my time to meet my maker, uh, that I can't make heaven my home because what I was doing, God did not approve of. Uh, when he says that he does not know you, uh, depart from me, uh, you don't, I, I don't know you. It's not that he doesn't know you because our, our hairs are numbered. Um, he knows everything about us because he made us. But it means that he did not approve of what we were doing. Yes, we reached all of these great people and we talked to individuals and we, uh, we, we were able to save souls and preach to thousands and hundreds and thousands of people. But if God did not approve what we were doing while we were doing it, that's not a good situation to be in. And so uh, the fact that Ananias played with God or lied and grieved the Holy Spirit was enough to get God to become active on this uh, particular situation. Now, let well, go ahead. No, you can continue. Go ahead. I can wait. Okay. All right, let me let me finish this. Um, so the Bible tells us in verse seven of chapter five of Acts that three hours later, his wife came in. Now, according to the scripture, it says not knowing what was done came in. So she knew that before her husband left the house, um, that he was going to give only a part of uh, what was sold. She knew that. But, you know, they didn't have Facebook back then. They didn't have Twitter back then. Uh, they didn't have anybody texting her saying, uh, your husband just died. Um, uh, you know, so with that being said, three hours later, she comes up into the church and she is fulfilling her part of the deal. Right. So in verse eight, Peter answered unto her, tell me whether ye sold the lamb for so much. And she said, yay, for so much. Now she condoned what her husband had already done. She could have easily in a matter of three hours, she could have easily said, you know what? I am not going to follow this. This is wrong. I'm not going to condone what he did. But she lied as well. So from that, from that, I see like a space of time, three hours. So what I see for that is God gives you an opportunity. He gives you a window to 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 get right. Yes, sir. Because she could have easily said with her not knowing what had happened, she could have easily said, you know what? That's not right. I'm not going to go in that direction. Let me do this. Uh, let me tell the truth. Let me come clean. And I believe that if she would have easily, she would have been all right. But she decided to go on with it. And as the verse of scripture tells us, and if you think the first thing was harsh, um, the second, uh, how Peter dealt with this, um, how Peter answered her uh, in verse eight, when he asked her the question, she said, yes, I sold it for so much. Then in verse nine, Peter said unto her, how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? I mean, you're, you're tempting God's spirit. You are grieving God's spirit. You are grieving God himself. And this is what Peter said. 
he was very, very rough. Peter said, behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door. They are literally at the door and they shall carry thee out. And the Bible says in verse 10, she fell straightway at his feet, yielded up the ghost. The young men came in, the same men that buried her husband. They uh, found her dead, carried her forth, buried her by her husband. It was just so matter of fact uh, that you, you lie against the Holy Spirit, you grieve the Holy Spirit. This is what we are going, uh, this is what's going to happen, or this is what could have happened. And God just didn't play games. And so uh, the Bible says again that great fear came upon the church and upon as many as heard these things. So the last point I want to make in this scripture and in this discussion is that there are some things, whenever we agree, or excuse me, whenever we say that we're going to do wrong, number one, that grieves the Holy Spirit. Whenever we condone the wrong things that we see and we don't speak out against it, that grieves the Holy Spirit. But the last thing is that we have to pay the consequences. And I don't know what those consequences might be. I don't know what God uh, has in store for us if we do wrong. But I do know this, that when we do wrong, uh, he will, we will have to suffer the consequences. We will have to deal with the consequences that have been given uh, to us. Yes, we are forgiven of our sins, but we have to pay the consequences. Many times people think that when they ask God to forgive them, Lord, forgive me for doing this. Forgive me for doing that. And he does because you, he, he said that if you uh, admit your friend, admit your sin. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will do that. But in the process of him cleaning you, in the process of him helping you, you have to suffer the consequences. There are some things that we sow and we have to read those things. And that includes, um, grieving uh, the Holy Spirit. We have to reap what has been sown. Thank you so very much, Bishop, for shedding some insight on that, letting us know that, you know, it's you should not grieve the Holy Spirit. But what the Bible has clearly stated or, or spoken here is that the ultimate penalty could be death. I mean, so it may or may not happen. But when you do something that egregious uh, towards God, the ultimate penalty could be death. I want to thank you for sharing that insight. Yes, sir. That That is the ultimate penalty. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So when you look at it in that practical sense, it uh, makes you really think, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want God to look at me as if I'm trying to tell him what to do. I'm going to follow what he wants me to do. Thank you so very much, Bishop. At this time, we're going to open up the floor for any questions that you may have. If you have a question, please just raise your hand and we will bring you uh, to the stage to ask your question. I see we have Brother Blake on the stage at this time. Brother Blake, do you have a question for Bishop Rudolph on today? Yes, of course. <laughs> um, but can you expand upon um, what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit, you know, once you're saved, because a lot of people believe that if you mess up, then the Holy Spirit uh, leaves you on. And when you think about this process of sanctification as well, 
Um, we, we grieve the Holy Spirit many times, you know, even times when we don't try to. So can you expand upon, you know, that process of sanctification while also um, grieving the Holy Spirit? Well, when whenever you ask God to forgive you of your sins, the Bible says that he, again, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So that's going to happen. But the problem occurs is when we don't grow spiritually, uh, we don't mature spiritually. Let me say it that way. When you don't mature spiritually, you end up doing the same things over and over again. So uh, I just want I do not want to be in a situation where I come to God and I say, God, forgive me for this. And then a few months later, I do it again. God, forgive me for this. And then, you know, another week or so, I do it again. God, forgive me. I don't want to be in a situation where I'm asking him forgiveness for the same things. What I need to do is say, God, help me in this area so that I can mature in this area, so that I can watch my mouth. I can keep my tongue. I can... uh, Watch my thoughts and, and, and my actions so that they will always be pleasing to you. So, yes, you are sanctified. You are set apart. You are saved. You ask God to forgive you of your sins, and he does it. But be careful because you don't want to be in a situation where we literally put him on the cross every time we do something wrong. And I'm quite certain that God gets upset with us. Uh, I believe he gets mad with us if we keep doing the wrong thing. And we know we're doing the wrong thing. We can't just keep going back saying, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. And then we expect no consequences. Um, And then let me talk about that uh, again more in depth. You have consequences for the sins that you do. All of us do. Regardless of what it is, uh, the consequences sometimes Uh, hurt us more than the actual action. But that's where we need to mature as Christians. We need to grow as Christians and say, Lord, help me because I don't want to make the same mistake over and over again. I really want to be in your will and I want to do what is right every single time. And if God, if you help me with that, I'm a human. But God, if you help me with that, if you allow your spirit to guide me and lead me, then I will grow and mature as a Christian where there are some things you, we don't even have to discuss anymore. And, and just remember how you were growing up as a child. Um, there were things that you did when you were seven or eight years old and you did wrong and you asked your parents for forgiveness and they forgave you. And But later on, when you begin to mature, um, those things didn't happen anymore. Um, I, I think uh, the scripture mentioned something to the effect um, that uh, when I became a man, I put away childish things. There are some things that are childish spiritually. Uh, for instance, this time next year, there are some things that I shouldn't let bother me because spiritually I've overcome that. And I shouldn't be in a situation where I need to stumble, keep stumbling over the same thing. So I hope I answered your question there, uh, brother. And and I, I just think it's very important for us to grow spiritually in certain areas, in certain areas of our lives. Yes, you answered. Thank you. And thank you, Bishop. And we have another question in just a moment from uh, Susan. But while you were talking, I I thought about 
and with regard to uh, Blake's question there um, and the scripture that came to mind dealt with, you know, must we send that grace may abound that, you know, we keep going back and doing the same thing over and over. And then also I, I thought about over in the book of Ephesians um, ch- uh, chapter uh, four and verse 30, it says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, where we're, we're actually told not to do that, not to grieve the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And so it ultimately becomes a matter of choice if we want to continue to do that, is what I hear, Bishop. I believe you are correct. As I read that particular scripture, I, I know that that's the correct uh, meaning of that. And we just need to be careful. We don't need to take things lightly as it relates to God. We need to always be in awe of his presence, of his glory, and never take it for granted that he woke us up this morning. He got us started on our way. He blessed us. He, he, is, the one, he is our resource for everything, and we don't need to take that for granted. So I, I come to a point in my life where I am going to be serious about this, and I am not going to live a hypocritical life. I am going to do what God wants me to do and do it in a way that he would be pleased with what I'm doing. All right. Thank you, Bishop. Hello, Susan. Welcome to the stage. What's your question for the Bishop on today? Thank you for allowing me to come in. Hi, Bishop. Um, I know we often talk about, you know, in this particular scripture, it talks about the fact that Ananias and Safari did something that they, you know, really didn't have to do because they had possession of the, uh, property ahead of time. But what about when we omit to do something that God has told us to do? Does that also cause the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to be great? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when you know better, Susan. And, and that's with all of us. Um, there are some things that we just know better. We, um, again, as a child, um, there are some things that we shouldn't have in our possession. And let me give you this example. I remember when I was growing up and I couldn't have been any more than four or five years old if I was that old. And I would see my father. Uh, he had a razor and uh, he would shave himself in the morning. And uh, I would always want to reach for that razor um, because I, I thought it was not, I didn't know, I didn't realize the razor was as sharp as it was. I, I had no concept of of what was going on. I just knew my dad had a razor and he shaved every morning. Well, um, my father would always grab my hand and say, son, you can't handle that yet. And what am I saying? I'm saying that sometimes God knows what we can't handle or what we can't do. And that's not good for us. But if I were to take that razor anyway, and try to shave myself, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I would have cut my face. I would have been scarred for life. Uh, So God knows how to put things into our possession. But also, if if, uh, he has given you, um, he has given you the green light to do something else, and you say, well, I'm not going in that direction. I'm going in another direction. Well, what you're saying is, you are saying that God I have more sense than what you do. I know uh, that, you know, I know what you want me to do, but I am going in this direction. And nine times out of 10, well, 10 times out of 10, every time you go against God's will, you never get ahead. 
Never. And we have to suffer the consequences because of it. So if we willingly do something that is not in his will, and if we willingly do something that we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he does not want us to do, it never comes out well for us. So we just need to be very prayerful, Susan, and very forthright in our relationship with God and and things like this. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. All right, Bishop. Any last words for today? Well, I just want to be in God's will, and I hope the listeners want to be in God's will. I know that that example and the story of Ananias and Sapphira, um, that story is somewhat uh, extreme, but it happened. It was written for us today to know what we should and should not do. And if God tells us to do it, whether it's in a loud screaming uh, voice trying to get our attention, or if it's in a still small voice, we need to do what God has asked us to do and do it well and uh, go forth uh, in his will for our lives. All right. Well, thank you so very much, Bishop. We look forward to next week and our uh, another upcoming uh, discussion. Um, We really appreciate your insight um, and your knowledge that you share with us here on On Point. You've been listening to On Point with Bishop Robert G. Rudolph. On Point, keeping you focused in the right direction.